Hi, everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Now, here's your host, Dr. Dave Gurchak. Hi, everyone. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Devin Bird to our show. Dr. Bird is the president of Bastyr University in Kenmore, Washington. Hi, Devin. I'm excited to have you on our podcast today. Hello, Dave. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Glad to be here. So tell me about Bastyr University and why students select your institution. Bastyr is an institution uh, that is comprised of multiple disciplines. Uh, Primarily, we are focused on uh, naturopathic medicine. Uh, which is a field uh, that allows uh, physicians to be able to deal with the whole person care uh, from the perspective of wellness, as well as prevention, in addition to looking at uh, all aspects of uh, the person's life. Um, In addition to that, we also have other programs uh, that focus in on psychology and the treatment of um, issues and areas of concern. We also have a program that focuses in on public health And we've just received accreditation uh, for that program. So we're very excited about that. Um, In addition, uh, we also have uh, programs in the area of um, midwifery, um, as well as in undergraduate sciences um, and uh, other areas in addition. So, uh, but Bastyr is a place that students come to because they have an affinity for um, what's happening in their own lives. And they feel as though those programs connect very well uh, with the way in which they want to live and operate. Um, And so there's a very strong connection uh, that they achieve so that when they move forward with their professional lives, uh, they achieve that synergy that they're looking for. Is the makeup of your students a a lot of international students or just across the country or are they more regional? We do have a mixture of students uh, that are uh, coming across, uh, coming from across the nation um, in multiple states, uh, the Southeast, the Northeast, even the Midwest. And we also do have students that come uh, from international um, areas as well. And uh, that's been very consistent. What we have found is that what ties the students together really is the way in which they think about uh, how they're living their personal lives, but also what they want to promote with their professional lives. And they have gravitated towards our programs, investigated them, researched them, um, because they feel that uh, these programs will provide them uh, with the best possible opportunity uh, to move forward with their careers. Well, what's new at Bastyr? We have a lot of new things. Uh, I have been here for almost a year and uh, our team has just been great. Um, They have engaged in so much uh, work on on so many levels. For one, we have a new initiative that is entitled uh, the Bastyr Community Initiative. It's made up of elements uh, such as having critical conversations uh, that we need to have um, at the institutional level, but also externally. It also focuses on research endeavors and how we expand those out to include external partners. And um, that would also include national and international mechanisms as well. We also are focused in on advocacy or the way in which uh, we can promote the professions that we offer here, the disciplines that we teach our students about. And then we also have an engagement uh, division uh, that really seeks to ensure that we are doing everything that we can to meet the needs of the local communities. Um, And from that, we are partnering with the city of Kenmore, um, as well as a partner down in California uh, to deal with issues such as food insecurity, also focusing in on nutrition, as well as physical health and wellness. And we're super excited about that as uh, it is scheduled to launch very soon um, in both areas and we're continuing to develop plans. 
In addition to that, uh, we have also um, uh, just recently improved our five-year strategic plan, and that has four basic tenets in it. One is focusing in on students. Two, it also uh, allows us to focus in on employees and their health and wellness, as well as their mm -hmm. development. Three, it looks at partnerships and how we can connect with others in very intentional ways that also align with our own mission and vision. And then finally, it's also focused in on innovation and how we might be able to move our disciplines forward in the best possible way while taking uh, advantage of the opportunities in front of us and leveraging those um, in, in uh, the most um, you know, sort of manageable ways. Um, outside of that, um, what's new is that we are seeking to um, expand our community engagement. As I mentioned earlier, we are looking to ensure that one, we're not only um, training students the best possible way, two, that they are clinically focused and treating patients, three, that we are engaging in research, but four, we wanna engage in that outreach to those communities that otherwise might not have a regular opportunity to engage with best year. Hmm. Well, let's change topics here real fast and, and maybe you can talk a little bit about yourself and the path that led you to become the president at best year. I feel very fortunate uh, to be in the position where I am right now, and especially at this point in my career. I trained as a clinical psychologist years ago, focusing in on children and adolescents. So my focus on uh, health and wellness started very early uh, in my career. Um, following that, I did have an opportunity to move into my first academic career at a state institution, then moved on to another institution where I had an opportunity to uh, engage in administrative work and to learn uh, management skills uh, and leadership along the way. Um, eventually moving to a institution uh, on the West Coast where that was focused in on mindfulness as well as other elements of integrating uh, care for the body as well as uh, the mind. Um, from those experiences, I have been um, in a position to learn quite a bit uh, from some great mentors uh, who provided me with great pathways, uh, but also uh, training and opportunities uh, that allowed me to build my skills. Uh, everything from working with health-related programs uh, to uh, humanities programs, as well as uh, thinking about uh, how those can be integrated. Um, I was fortunate to work with an individual uh, at my last institution uh, that graduated from Bastyr, uh, the nutrition program, and that's how I first learned uh, prior to the position being available. I engaged in some research following that, and based on what I viewed, I really was drawn um, in a major way uh, as a result of the focus on health, but even more so the focus on wellness. So before um, aspects become a problem or areas of result, uh, Bastyr wants to be able to allow individuals to live the best possible uh, and healthy lives that they are capable of doing, but also being able to um, understand and engage with other professions um, that will allow for relief uh, for those issues and diseases and disorders uh, that also develop. So it's taking an integrative approach uh, that allows for us to um, ensure that we are uh, providing clients and patients the best possible care overall. Well, how has your leadership style evolved over the years then? I, I appreciate that question. Um, it has been um, one that started off uh, very focused in on uh, ensuring that uh, the elements of programs were developed um, and that the curricular aspects uh, were at the top of mind. Um, I was involved in developing programs early on. And so the focus uh, was really on the nuts and bolts of how programs are rolled out. 
over the course of time, um, that leadership and, and style has involved ensuring that others have the skills as well as the resources they need in order to uh, develop those programs for our students, as well as for those who are not defined as students, but are, are uh, taking certificate programs or continuing education um, experiences as well. And so my management and leadership style has moved from, um, you know, working very directly with some of those initiatives to ensuring the success of others, which ultimately results in the success of the institution. That has been very important to me. And so um, my listening skills, I would hope, have improved as well uh, to make certain that uh, I'm meeting the needs of those uh, that, that um, I supervise and those that I serve, um, and also making certain that um, there are connections among individuals who may not always be aware of what's happening in other offices or departments around an institution. I get very excited about uh, the work that's taking place, uh, but even more excited about collaborative opportunities. And so my leadership style is one uh, that has really pinpointed even more so the collaborative opportunities uh, that can be developed uh, among um, the faculty members as well as staff uh, who are involved in doing the great work of the, of the institution. Well, what's been your proudest moment so far this past year at Bastyr? I would say um, the dedication um, that I have observed um, from the members of our team at Bastyr, um, there are a number of individuals who are really focused in on just ensuring that our students, as well as their colleagues and coworkers, are able to do the best work that they can and have been here for multiple years, decades in some situations. The years of service, um, is something that um, I am, am just uh, you know, very appreciative of and have gained an even more uh, better understanding and more awareness of uh, the level of engagement by our employees. Um, and then also looking at that, um, what is occurring with our students, how they are taking the work uh, that they are engaging in and making that a very viable opportunity for themselves as they graduate. Um, so maybe not a proud moment for myself as much as it is appreciation uh, for the work that has been done, the work that is underway, um, and the work that is yet to come uh, by our students who are on their way to graduate. Next week, actually, um, will constitute our graduation ceremonies uh, for both campuses. And uh, some of the conversations that I've held with those students who are ready to graduate, um, I am very, very excited about what is on the horizon uh, for uh, these uh, soon-to-be alumni um, who are really making their way forward and will definitely blaze a trail um, in the naturopathic profession, as well as other professions of nutrition and midwifery and psychology, botanical medicine um, in so many different areas. Uh, so more is to come. You know, you've worn a few uh, academic leader hats over the years. So what's been some of your biggest lessons learned so far? Very good question also. Um, and what I would say is one of my largest uh, lessons that I believe I've learned is always to make certain uh, that you're listening uh, to what others are telling you. You can hear what someone says, but are you listening and taking that into account? Which means that you have to stop, you have to understand uh, the experiences that others are bringing and also the wisdom uh, they provide because of their um, proximity to the issues uh, that they are dealing with on a daily basis uh, that you, meaning myself, may not have an awareness of. Um, it is so important to understand the work environment, so important to understand 
um, the experiences of students um, that they have um, that you may not realize, whether it's communication, whether it's awareness of events, whether it's a desire to have a, a more uh, synergized experience um, across their um, didactic clinical research um, you know, aspects. And so it's really, it's listening and it's hearing and it's understanding. And then it's, it's of course, taking action. Um, on those elements, um, wherein it is um, advisable and where it's, it's necessary. There are times when individuals will bring information to you and they want you to listen and understand without taking action, which can sometimes be hard um, because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I also I have had to focus on making sure that I don't always take action. And so um, that is a lesson that I've learned over the course of time is to um, understand what people are telling you, but also understand what the desired course of action is. Um, and being able to follow up on that in the way that respects um, the interaction that has occurred. Um, sometimes there are situations where you, know, you have to take action, right. where it is just unavoidable. Uh, but in many of those situations, it's just being present and understanding um, what the experience is of uh, the other individual who's bringing it to you. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you have any advice for anybody this fall stepping in as a new university president since you've just gone through it this past year? Yes, I would say that outreach to um, individuals that you're working with and those who have a connection to the university are very important. Those have been, I believe, uh, some very um, extremely valuable uh, components of, of my time thus far is understanding uh, what others have seen and also understanding maybe where some of the opportunities lie uh, that you may not be able to, to um readily uh, see in the moments that are um, at the time that one takes the position. Um, and then just uh, remaining open uh, to feedback. Um, and that can be a tough one as well, uh, because sometimes the feedback is uh, conflicting or it may diverge uh, from the mission and, and the direction of the institution. Um, but it's still important to understand uh, the perspective of individuals uh, that have a, a good stake and a, um, uh, an interest in the institution's success. So let me follow up on that then. You know, you were not an internal candidate. You came from out of state to go there. Do you think that's a benefit sometimes uh, as a university president to come in with a new set of, or fresh set of eyes, I guess I should say? You have identified a very good point, Dave, which, um, you know, there are positives and or opportunities, um, you know, in both situations. Coming from the outside and not being, you know, being an external candidate, does allow me to have a different view than others because I have not been a part of the system. It also allows me to be able to bring the experiences uh, where I feel I've been successful or others have been successful and I've had a chance to observe or be a part of that um, to the table uh, so that we can consider how those might actually work and operate uh, for Bastyr, uh, if in fact they do. Um, also though, um, what it means is that there's a pretty steep learning curve uh, with regard to um, the aspects that allow Bastyr to work and operate um, and have done so for so many years uh, with regard to its success. And so from that standpoint, uh, it means that I have to be open to learning. I have to be open to feedback. I have to be open to uh, the, the aspect that things are changing, even though they um, have been a certain way uh, for a period of time prior to my arrival. Um, and so uh, what it also uh, provides me is, a, is an opportunity for um, excitement and marrying both of those elements together, aspects that I bring from my uh, past, but also understanding what has been here and has contributed to the success and finding the pathway through, um, especially as 
the area of academia uh, changes. And uh, so from that standpoint, I also feel it's fortunate for me uh, being an external candidate because it means that I have an opportunity uh, to now serve in this role. Well, what do you think are going to be the major challenges that universities will face over the next five to 10 years? There are several, um, one of which I would say um, is um, understanding where the fields are as far as, um, you know, when you have a graduate uh, moves into the workforce, what is it that graduate students, or excuse me, graduates need um, in order to operate efficiently? And because industry is changing, because the marketplace is constantly growing and it's a place of innovation, it also means that institutions have to determine how they can have a closer connection uh, to what is happening in the real world. Yes, students need to understand theory and they need to understand the basic tenets of how um, disciplines operate. But it's also critical uh, to ensure that there is uh, as close a connection um, as well as um, viability uh, for those skills once a student graduates. And it's understanding how uh, we can create those connections, not only with industry, but also with alumni um, and ensuring that um, the feedback is happening. Beyond that, I would also say um, that it's uh, going to be very critical uh, for institutions to understand how they need to pivot and how they need to adjust um, their approach. And what I mean by this is our institutions have been focused in on educating students, and that has to remain a top priority. We have to ensure that our students are graduating with the skills they need. But along with that, I firmly believe that institutions must understand how they can engage with uh, constituents or with others who don't always have an opportunity to connect on a daily basis with a university. What do I mean by that? Well, um, it could be industry, it could be organizations, uh, there could be other universities um, that um, really create an opportunity for partnerships, create an opportunity for collaboration, and also a furthering of the mission of the institution. And the more likely an institution is uh, to engage in that openness, I believe the more likely it is an institution will be successful, um, especially as we think about how um, opportunities are presenting themselves uh, from the standpoint of promoting intellectual property uh, or new endeavors, patents and or otherwise, uh, new products, um, and the chances um, that that uh, creates uh, opportunities for students as well as for the institution to move into a space uh, where it can actually um, be a closer ally uh, for the communities they serve. Uh, One example of that, for instance, is uh, the new initiative that we um, are getting ready to launch, as I mentioned to you, uh, hopefully in the very near future, focusing in on food insecurity. So we have gardens here, soil gardens. We also have a a greenhouse, and we will be soon uh, adding to that in terms of the laboratories uh, that we offer, focused in on hydroponic food growth, looking at leafy greens and otherwise. Um, But that idea was spawned um, in part because of our desire to expand our research Um, in areas of uh, herbal sciences, but it was also spawned as a result of thinking about the needs uh, that are right here in Kenmore uh, for kids, uh, especially at the alarming rate that we have um, for the high number of kids who qualify for free and reduced lunch. So it's thinking about uh, food insecurity. It's thinking about some of our own students who also experience food insecurity and what we might be able to do to meet a need that's right here in the community. So that's what I'm speaking about as far as institutions and thinking about how they can connect with the communities where we live and where we reside um, so that uh, the benefits that we have for our students are not only just benefits for them, 
but they're benefits for the communities uh, that can also um, you know, have an opportunity to um, understand um, and benefit from. And we can too. We can understand um, what we need to do in terms of uh, better supporting our communities. Well, what will opportunities look like then uh, for the higher ed institutions in the future? I believe there will be uh, more uh, incubators or opportunities for think tanks um, that are created. I also believe that um, those situations will not only just include uh, faculty members as well as uh, counterparts at other institutions. I believe they will also include students as well as alumni, as well as organizations and and other businesses, um, because there is a great opportunity when you bring individuals who have different perspectives into the same space. Uh, to create um, and to innovate and to think about how we can benefit our society overall. Uh, We have some examples in the past where we can see how um, those um, conversations have resulted in catapulting our society forward. And I only believe that that's going to increase even more so uh, as we move ahead um, and thinking about ways that we can benefit uh, from our collaborative uh, engagements. Well, what suggestions do you have to improve uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion at colleges and universities? One area I would say is um, by moving into the space of having uh, those tough conversations. Um, We, um, as a society, um, are primarily built upon the fact that uh, we do have differences, um, and those differences uh, can actually result um, in uh, greater uh, opportunities uh, for our society overall. But we also have similarities. And I do believe that conversation actually helps uh, to bring about uh, an appreciation or at least a level of respect uh, for those differences and not being afraid uh, to understand uh, that those differences exist. Um, If we have those conversations, we understand that we're not always going to agree, um, but that maybe there's some similarities that tie us together, uh, the more likely we are uh, to be able to um, be more open Uh, to the fact that there are others who are different uh, than ourselves and uh, to uh, have uh, more collaborative relationships that can result in all of us benefiting uh, overall. Uh, In terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, and also justice, I do believe that there are some basic tenets that institutions and steps uh, we have to take. One is is making sure that it's not um, just a phrase, um, which means that we have to earmark resources, time, structural aspects as well uh, to addressing uh, those areas. We recently hired on um, our new associate vice president for uh, DEI, um, and she has hit the ground running. And we're extremely excited about uh, the work that Dr. DeVillier is actually engaging in. Um, And she's bringing a a vision uh, that will allow all of us uh, to be able to move forward. Um, And it's not her responsibility uh, solely. Um, It is all of ours. Um, And that's another element that I would also identify is that it can't um, be uh, the work of one individual or one office. It has to be the work of the institution, which means that um, conversations have to take place, structural aspects, uh, positions, uh, but also programming um, and also curricular um, adjustments and engagements as well. Our society um, is becoming even more diverse, even within uh, ethnic and racial groups. Um, You can't always assume uh, that everyone is the same. And so the more we can understand aspects, not only just related to uh, ethnicity and racial aspects, but also uh, sex in addition to religion, um, age um, and socioeconomic status. Otherwise, 
um, we can, uh, again, as I mentioned, understand how we can uh, come together in major ways. Um, and then it's um, ensuring that that is carried through, uh, that it is uh, sustainable, uh, meaning that um, the programming and or efforts are supported uh, all the way through uh, the entire university structure, uh, from the president's office uh, to uh, the departments, to faculty members, to students, the board of trustees, as well as community partners, that they understand that this is an important uh, tenant and an important focus for the institution. Um, and then it's also making sure uh, that there is time to review and to understand how those elements are working or not. Um, no one should think that they're going to get it right uh, the first time. And that's okay. Um, it is about making forward progress. Um, I think we have to really make sure that we get away from trying to be perfect, uh, thinking that we are always going to be right, that we will always say, um, you know, what is, is um, you know, perfect and going back to that particular point and understanding that uh, we're all human um, and that we have growth uh, that needs to occur, myself included. Even as an African-American male, um, I cannot assume that I know all that there is to know about the experiences of others who are persons of color or about males or, or in other areas. And so um, it is incumbent upon me, um, you know, as well as others, uh, to really do our part to, to make sure that we're doing our responsibility um, in this area and that we're willing to listen and that we're willing to understand and we're willing to take those steps, uh, not only in our work lives, but also in our personal lives. Uh, so that it's not a switch that we flip off when we leave campus, but that it is an extension of the work that we do in our own lives. Great point. Great point. Um, you mentioned mentoring earlier on. What kind of official or unofficial mentoring do you do to help emerging leaders on your campus? So uh, thank you for that question as well. Uh, one of the aspects that we have earmarked for our new strategic plan identifies developmental opportunities um, and opportunities for mentorship for staff as well as faculty. We will be building a program that allows for um, individuals who have that desire um, to move into um, a more structured approach um, that will involve uh, collaborative uh, engagement across departments uh, as well as roles. Uh, so that will be one of the structural ways that we will handle it from an institutional perspective. Um, I also um, have been fortunate enough uh, to create and, and to be a part of opportunities to engage with um, individuals who are in different roles. Uh, one I can think of um, is uh, working with a faculty member um, here um, where I have um, periodic meetings, pretty regular uh, meetings, where we talk about um, the identified goals um, that this person has, how they would like to achieve those goals. And uh, what we do is, is just share um, experiences, real-time experiences, past experiences. Um, I also uh, talk about areas that worked well for me and areas that didn't work so well um, and, and share that um, in the context of this area. We also um, have time to uh, you know, talk about uh, some leadership um, resources as well and bring that into the conversation. I've also um, worked with a staff member uh, here and, and talk with that individual on a regular basis um, about what's happening in um, the associated and surrounding communities uh, so that um, I stay up to speed, uh, but also have had an opportunity to talk with this individual um, in these conversations about what's uh, working for them and how uh, they might uh, consider uh, moving ahead with uh, the desires they have for their own development. 
Um, I also have a student uh, that I connect with on a regular basis and have regular meetings with and talk about what's happening um, in their uh, pursuit of their degree and um, how the work they're engaged in for various uh, committees that I'm also involved with at uh, the institution um, are advancing uh, that desire um, and also their development uh, in those areas. Um, and so it's been a great opportunity for me um, and I hope that it's been valuable for them as well. Uh, but the idea is um, to just to be authentic and uh, to help them to understand that um, there are uh, pathways that I have taken um, and some have worked out, some haven't worked out, uh, but I continue to evaluate uh, in an ongoing manner uh, to make certain that um, I am hopefully continuing the forward progress uh, each and every day. If uh, you had extra budget money right now with no strings attached, where would that money go? How would you use it? Lots of ideas uh, there and, and what a wonderful opportunity that would be. Um, you know, one of the areas that I think um, I would really want to move forward on is, is that of, um, actually, I'll, I'll give you two. One is, is uh, technology and community mm -hmm. engagement. Um, technology, I believe, is a very critical area uh, for institutions in terms of how to innovate and to think about ways in which to do things differently. Um, and so one of our uh, areas of focus for our strategic plan is that of innovation and technology. Uh, so that would be a major uh, component. Um, the other would be community engagement. There are a number of initiatives uh, that we would like to launch um, that would benefit not only the community here in Kenmore, but also uh, the surrounding communities and connected, connected communities that we engage with in California, uh, one of which is in El Cajon um, with a, a charter school by the name of Ehe. And uh, we are uh, moving forward with our engagements there. Uh, very excited about uh, our opportunity to continue to learn about the needs of the community, uh, but also it does take resources. Um, and we are uh, moving ahead with uh, attempting to secure those for various initiatives. Um, but the other piece of that goes back to what I was mentioning before is, what can we do in order to impact the lives of individuals right away? And that's what sparked our ideas here in Kenmore for dealing with food insecurity. Uh, but I also think about ways in which we can promote wellness and health. Um, and that's where community engagement comes in. We have an opportunity and very fortunate to have that to work with patients who seek us out uh, and or come to us through referrals. Um, but what an opportunity it would be to also take that forward to a larger group of individuals um, who otherwise might not come in because of ailments they experience, but because of a desire uh, to live a, um, um, you know, a more fruitful life, uh, one that uh, involves um, additional wellness and, and health-related focus. Well, here's my last question. Do you have any favorite books on leadership that you would recommend to other academic leaders? One that I would recommend, yes, is that it's called Crucial Conversations. And it's a book um, that identifies uh, the fact that there are necessary, comprehensive, yet tough discussions uh, that need to be held um, when individuals are moving into various positions uh, or if they're working with colleagues. The basic tenet of the book um, is that uh, you should not avoid having those critical conversations, even though they may cause you uh, discomfort. Uh, and it's because they're necessary, uh, but you can do so in a respectful way, uh, but also in a way that helps to promote your own development um, as a leader, uh, as a colleague, uh, as someone in the discipline. Uh, but it's also um, an area <clears throat> of focus of the book to deal with oneself. 
meaning that it's not just about having conversations with others. It's about evaluating oneself and understanding how you need to evaluate what's working for you um, and what's getting in your way of being able to excel. Uh, so there are some things that you might need to uh, move to the side. You might need to stop. You might need to reevaluate. Um, and so uh, from that standpoint, it is having an evaluative process uh, that you can always refer to uh, as a way of ensuring uh, that you're reaching your goals. Uh, so that's been a, a very um, a good book, uh, I think, uh, one for leaders um, and one for those who are continuing to uh, desire to move forward in their own development. Oh, that's that's a new one for me. I haven't nobody has ever recommended that book on this show. So I, I'm, I need to go look that one up for sure. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let me know what your thoughts are on it. Sorry. All right. Well, Davin, thanks so much for being on our show. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Dave. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com for additional information. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.